Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. About an hour ago, I spoke with uh, Benice Thomas. You'll hear her in um, about an hour and a half. She'll join us on air. Her brother was Robert Hall, who was one of the two Canadians who was kidnapped by the uh, Abu Sayyaf ISIS-affiliated group in the Philippines. And uh, both Mr. Hall and Mr. Uh, John Ridsdale, the other Canadian who was kidnapped by them, both, as you know, have, were beheaded. And uh, there were stories that there were options for the federal government. There were options as far as the military was concerned, the military ready to go in and, and perform a rescue operation for the two Canadians. And then the decision somehow was made in Ottawa to not go ahead. So uh, Ms. Thomas has a few things to say about how disappointed she is and particularly has some things to say about the Prime Minister and his involvement or lack of involvement. So we'll be speaking with Bernice Thomas later on, along with Lee Humphrey, uh, who is the international security expert who joins us on the show periodically. Lee has been in touch with the family, and so they will both speak to opportunities that existed to free the two Canadian hostages. But instead, our Prime Minister in the Philippines said, I hope everything turns out okay. All right, leadership. Lots on the show today, including the four individuals who are said to have been potentially radicalized and are working at Trudeau Airport in Montreal. Uh, One individual, according to news reports that I uh, heard and read, has spent some considerable time on ISIS-related websites and uh, also was on sites on uh, advice on how to build explosives. So what do they do with these people at an airport who I think would be considered a potential threat? Certainly the uh, Montreal area police did. They don't fire them. They reassign them. They give them another another job, and one of the individuals got a job because he had access to planes and runways previously. He now has a job where he does no longer have access to planes and runways. Is that political correctness in action? Scott Newark will be talking to us about that, and we'll take some calls from you. I want to begin with this story, though. It's been hanging around the periphery of news headlines all week, and it's the story of a Globe and Mail columnist, Leah McLaren, who uh, had a column in the Globe and Mail. It was on online for a short period of time before the newspaper removed it. And uh, the title of the column was the joy and politics of breastfeeding someone else's baby. 
Now, I have to tell you, this is just a very strange story to me. Maybe to a lot of people it isn't. Maybe it's just something that you will tell me it was just something that happened and it was a, an instinctive thing and everything's okay. But I'll just read you a few lines from the column that disappeared. But, of course, once it's online, everybody has access to it. it they, they never disappear fully. Watching the dispiriting moral fumbling match that passes for a conservative party leadership campaign this spring, I have often found myself reminded of the time I tried to breastfeed Michael Chong's baby, writes Ms. McLaren. To be fair, at the time I didn't know it was Mr. Chong's baby, I didn't even know Mr. Chong, who is now, as he was then, the conservative MP for Wellington Halton Hills and currently the best pick of an otherwise sad litter for CPC leader. The breastfeeding incident occurred at a Toronto house party. It was an in-between sort of evening, neither a rager nor a formal dinner party, the sort of casual and expensively lubricated early evening into the night gathering that exhausted people in their 30s with small children to favor. I was about 25, did not have a baby or even a boyfriend at the time, and I was broody in the way that young women in their late 20s often are before they realize that turning 30 is just the beginning of something rather than a vertiginous cliff off of which unlucky young women fall to die alone and be forgotten. She goes on to write, I was feeling a bit glum and distracted, so I'd wandered upstairs in search of a bathroom in which to reapply my lipstick and check my phone for random texts from inappropriate men. I walked into a bedroom with coats piled high on the bed and noticed that in the corner, sitting wide awake in a little portable car seat, was the cutest baby I'd ever seen. On the table beside him was a monitor. I smiled at the baby. The baby smiled back. Now this was a connection. I leaned over and gingerly picked him up and then sat down in a chair to give him a cuddle. He felt gorgeous in my arms, all warm and lumpy and milky smelling in the way small babies are. Somehow my pinky finger ended up in his mouth, and I was astonished at the strength of his sucking reflex. Come on, lady, said his eyes, and I suddenly knew what he wanted, and I, of course, wanted to give him what he wanted. The only problem was I had no milk, but would it be so bad, I wondered, if I just tried it out for just a minute to see what it felt like. I looked at the baby monitor as if it might be watching me, but thankfully this was before monitors had cameras. Then slowly, carefully, so as to not jostle the infant, I began to unbutton my blouse. Just as I was reaching into my bra, a shortish man with a navy suit walked into the room. Oh, hello, he said, in a friendly, upbeat tone that could not entirely conceal the fact that he was flummoxed to see me sitting there with my top half unbuttoned holding his baby. I'll just read a couple more lines. I realize now that it was nothing rude, and frankly, uh, I had to skip by something here, by the way, because the printer just wasn't agreeable. But I realize now that it was wrong and rude and frankly a bit weird of me to think I could breastfeed a stranger's baby just for kicks. I hate to think what would have happened if Mr. Chong, or worse, his wife, had walked in while I was in the act. I think if I found a strange woman one who was both childless and milkless, nursing my baby at a party, I'd be inclined to give her a swift smack upside the head and then call the police. Having said that, in the years since, having my own babies, I have two or three times breastfed my friends' babies and let my babies in turn be fed by them. She goes on to say that it was a positive experience. All right. So we have, uh, I think, a two-part story here. We have, we have a... A media story, 
because this column appeared online in the Globe and Mail before they took it down and removed it. They're not commenting on it, from what I understand. But we also have a social story. Is this something that is, to me, look, I, I, it's weird and it's disturbing. I don't know what your response is. I don't know how you're reacting. But I do want to know at 1-800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428, somebody breastfeeding a, a stranger's baby at a party. And I just read you Ms. McLaren's account as she wrote it in the paper or the online version of the paper. We're going to come back and take your calls at 800-263-2428. Also speak with Professor Jane Kirtley, media ethics professor at the University of Minnesota, and find out what uh, Professor Kirtley thinks about this from the media perspective. Stay with us. <laughs> 